Did Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews personally victimize your fantasy teams in 2023? We will dis- discuss why they and other tight ends will bounce back in a huge way in 2024 in today's episode of Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Michelle Majuke. When I'm not doing this, I'm a researcher and fantasy analyst at NFL Network. I'm your other host, uh, Vinny Iyer. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL fantasy and betting for SportingNews.com. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All right, Vinny and I are going to go through our favorite tight end candidates to bounce back after a disappointing 2023 season. We went through our quarterbacks, our running backs, our wide receivers on Thursday, Friday, and Tuesday's show. So if you missed those, go back and listen to those after this episode. Benny, let's start with one tight end. We were taking as like a top three tight end last season, but he ended up having a disappointing season overall. Who do you have as your number one bounce back candidate at the tight end position? Well, in some ways he was very disappointing. Some ways he came through, but you didn't have him for a key stretch of the season, uh, namely the fantasy football playoffs. It is Mark Andrews of the Ravens. Now, He was producing right where we thought, maybe a little less than that, at tight end four and half point PPR when you look at the average scoring. But he ends up at tight end 13 overall, so the time missed counts, and it takes him out of the lineup for a lot of fantasy managers. They were able to maybe compensate for some of that if they were able to pick up Isaiah Likely, but it was still frustrating because Mark Andrews is a guy you expect to stay durable on the field and productive, And the development there for the Ravens offense is the fact that wide receivers were getting more involved. We had Zay Flowers become a very key target while he was out. Andrews missed a good stretch there in the middle till the end of the season. He came back in the playoffs, but in those playoffs, it was a little late for fantasy managers. So it's interesting because you do go away from a lot of these two tight end sets that they had at one point. Likely is an up-and-comer here. And you look at Flowers, you look at Nelson Aguilar now back in the mix. Now, he's not a great receiver, but he's still a guy that they use in key spots in the offense. We'll see about what they do with Rashad Bateman and Odo Beckham Jr. going forward. But I think Mark Andrews is just too good. And look at the scoring. I mean, he was up there. He was getting it done. I think they'll try to find a way to work him in a little bit better this year. And now that he's fully healthy, they had to adjust on the fly and say, we're going to use our wide receivers. But I think what encourages me is that scoring average is pretty high. So again, on the board, that disappointing name might feel that way. But I I think when you look at Andrews, he's still going to be a pretty good value. Now, am I going to say I want to go and get him as a top two right there with Travis Kelsey? may not, but I still think he's going to be undervalued a little bit because 
we have the hot names. We have Trey McBride. We have Sam Laporta. But easily would not surprise me if Andrews outscored wherever he was drafted. And if you get him as the fourth tight end, you should be pretty good feeling about that because as good as Laporta and McBride and some of these other young tight ends can be, we saw David Njoku have a breakout season as well. Andrews is tried and true, and we know his quarterback is the MVP. He trusts him all over the field. Keep in mind, when Andrews was healthy, they didn't really put an Isaiah likely to do much. Andrews was still the guy, likely was pretty much his straight-up backup. So he's going to get better used in this offense with Todd Bunkin here in the second year. And I think overall, the Ravens' defense should take a few hits, so maybe a little bit more passing from Lamar. And they're also not going to score rushing touchdowns at that rate that they did with Gus Edwards, who, by the way, is a free agent. So they're going to have to throw a little bit more in the red zone. So there's a big opportunity here for Mark Andrews. Just a couple of years ago was the tight end one overall in scoring. So there's a potential for that. I think he rebounds big time. And is reliable again. Don't fade him too hard. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you just said there was the running backs were stealing so many touchdowns for the first half of that season. And that's where we really count on Mark Andrews, right? He's that reliable target in the red zone near the goal line for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's at his best self when he's just targeting Mark Andrews nonstop. So, and like you brought up, there are so many exciting tight ends this year that are going to go earlier in the draft that that might drop down Mark Andrews a little bit, right? Instead of Mark Andrews, Andrews going in the second round maybe does fall to the fourth round because the Sam Laporta's and the Trey McBride's, you know, they're getting a little bit more attention. So definitely at that point, I, I do think he's going to be a great pick this year. No, my guy, it seems really funny to say Travis Kelsey was a disappointment, right? He ends as the tight end three overall. He actually ended as the tight end one overall in PPR point per game scoring. So on per average, he was still the tight end one but by barely, right? It was 14.6 for him and then 14.60 for TJ Hawkinson, 14.08 for Sam Laporta. Like they were all right there. And the difference here with Kelsey being, you know, a disappointment compared to being a good pick was we were taking him in the first round because he was scoring like top tier elite wide receivers. And that wasn't happening this year, right? He wasn't that above and beyond tight end score compared to everyone else. He was right with that group. And that's not what we expect out of Kelsey. That's not what we expect when we take a tight end that early in the draft. But I'm saying, I think you can get back to that, right? From weeks one through four, he was scoring a good amount more than any other tight end in the league. Or sorry, not one through four, one through 14. So most of the chunk of the season, 16.5 points per game he was scoring and like to compare him to the tight end three at that moment was Sam Laporta, 13.5. So he was at least scoring another three more points per game. And that is a solid chunk, still lower than what we expect from Kelsey. But still, we have to remember he came into this season injured, right? He got injured right before week one, missed week one. Then he hurt his ankle in week five, dealt with that. Then he suffered an elbow injury in week 15. And that clearly had an effect because like I said, weeks one through 14, it, it wasn't still top tier Kelsey production, but I mean, 16 and a half points per game for a tight end is still awesome. And then that's where he completely fell off weeks, 15, 16, 17, and then then play week 18, just a complete disaster there. And unfortunately that came right at the time of the fantasy playoffs. So that stunk for us fantasy managers, but then in the playoffs, once he was healthy again, he was right back to his normal self. So I fully expect him. I know he's getting older. He's going to be 34 years old, but I still think he has one more year in him to be that elite tight end option. 
maybe he doesn't go in the first round this year, but I still think he's a very, very solid second round pick if he's sitting there. Yeah, when you look at also his playoff production, I mean, that was vintage Kelsey. That was dominant Kelsey. So, And one thing I liked about him is right after the Super Bowl, there was no doubt he's not retiring. He's definitely motivated and is already ready for the next season. So he's ready to go through the grind of keeping himself in shape. And this guy is in great shape. And he's not like Rob Gronkowski, who had a lot of injuries and got beaten down by the time he played his 11th season there's no way he could return keep in mind Gronkowski had to retire and then come back out of retirement for a year to do that well Kelsey has just finished his 11th season so he's already where Gronk was but way more durable at this stage so he's played a lot of football but man is he durable he kind of just reminds me of the other elite Chiefs tight end from many years uh, Tony Gonzalez and keep in mind Tony Gonzalez played a long time, 17 seasons. Jason Witten played 17 seasons. Antonio Gates, 16 seasons. Two future Hall of Famers, one Hall of Famer. Kelsey could be doing this for a while. I think he'll stay in shape, and I think he could have not just one good year left, but maybe two or three, just because of the way he conditions himself, his usage in this offense. And keep in mind, He's going to have fun, just like Andy Reid, right? He wants to be attached to Patrick Mahomes as long as possible because it's a lot of fun winning championships. We know his notoriety and fame, not with his, just with his uh, dating life, but his podcast. He's way more popular now because of what he's doing with the Chiefs. And he had his down year, right? So he's going to come back on the field and dominate. So Look, you're right. That's the biggest question we're looking at in the rebound. Can Travis Kelsey put up the numbers of elite wide receiver? I still think that potential is there. And getting some help will actually be beneficial. When Rashi Rice was a threat, that helped Travis Kelsey as well because it deflected the attention. There will be another person maybe to stretch the field, which will also open things up for Kelsey. And keep in mind, they could be throwing more to the tight ends in general because Running back, Jarek McKinnon's a free agent, so they might have to change things up there. They don't throw a lot to Isaiah Pacheco. So there's all reasons to say that more targets, more high-leverage opportunities are going to funnel Kelsey's way next season. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. My favorite player prop for tomorrow's night slate of NBA games is LeBron James to have over 39 and a half combined points, assists, and rebounds against the Warriors on Thursday night. I just want to say I'm 2-0 so far on my NBA prop advice on this podcast. So I trust my boy LeBron to bring me to 3-0. If you want to get in on the action with me, just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on and get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Our next bounce back candidate, it's going to be a tight end we're taking, like around, you know, as a top eight tight end-ish last year in drafts. We thought they had top five upside, and then that did not end up happening. So, Vinny, who is your second top tight end rebound candidate for the 2024 season. Are you ready for it? It's a name that you love when we bring him up on this podcast, but we have before we talked about the new Falcons offense. It is Kyle Pitts. 
look, if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. That's not the best way to sell this. But what I'm going to sell this with is he's too talented to not produce. And finally, Arthur Smith is gone. You have an innovative offense now with Zach Robinson coming from the Rams. What do the Rams do? Put their guys in the best position to succeed. Now, you say, okay, it's a tight end. He's not maybe the wide receiver that we've seen succeed in the Rams-style offense. It doesn't matter because you've seen that spread, right? Kevin O'Connell went to Minnesota, helped TJ Hawkinson be a big deal, along with Justin Jefferson. So he just is going to maximize playmakers. And you can bet this was the big hiring criteria, not just getting Raheem Morris from the Rams to help with the defense, but to realize, hey, we might need somebody to maximize these playmakers. Again, consecutive first-round picks on Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson. They wanted somebody to unlock these weapons. And we know Arthur Smith struggled mightily to do so. And I think you have to look at Kyle Pitts as a slot receiver. Again, this team doesn't have a slot receiver as a real option right now. I mean, you trickle down, it's Kaderil Hodge, and then just really empties out here. There's not much here behind Drake London. Will they invest in a wide receiver? Possibly, but this team has bigger needs overall in free agency and the draft. So, look, it makes sense to use the personnel, 11 personnel, but Pitts as your kind of slot receiver. Because keep in mind, that's going to be the biggest difference. It's not going to be the two tight end sets. He's not going to share the field with Jonah Smith, who cut a lot into their production last year. Arthur Smith ran the most 12 personnel, going back to his days of the Titans. That's not going to happen. Guess what team runs the most 11 personnel? It is the Rams, so when it translates here really well. So I look at it whenever you go elsewhere, the Bengals, the Vikings, these teams execute and throw the ball to their playmakers quite a bit. So last year he was tight end 14 overall, tight end 17 average. He has nowhere to go but up. He's just too talented here. Zach Robinson is going to get it done. He's going to enjoy this. And if it's a rookie in there, if it's J.J. McCarthy, somebody else, it's Kirk Cousins, it doesn't matter. They're going to throw to Kyle Pitts a lot because it's either veteran trusting him in key situations, short to in intermediate routes all the way through the red zone, or you're going to have a rookie who's going to treat the shorter routes and the tight end as a security blanket. So however you look at it, I think this coaching staff is too smart. I really like Zach Robinson. So this is a bet on Kyle Pitts, but it's also more of a bet that I really trust what the Falcons are going to do offensively with Robinson. Vinny, I'll say if you were the head coach or the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, I would draft Kyle Pitts because I would believe that you would make sure to get him the ball in the best situations. But I don't know if a team or a coach is ever going to figure that out for him. I'll say my guy is someone that I'm always going to be able to get later than Kyle Pitts because he doesn't have the shiny name. And he's always someone who outproduces Kyle Pitts as well because he's just been better uh, in the NFL so far. My guy's Dalton Schultz, all right? So he was one of those guys that you're taking later in the draft, you know, ninth, tenth round, because he switched teams from the Cowboys to the Texans. You didn't really know how he's going to be used, and he's not a super exciting player. He ended as the tight end 10 overall, tight end 11 on average. So, you know, with where he went, it wasn't like, oh, he killed your team, but pretty much a disappointment overall, especially with how he started the year completely doing nothing. 
but he did have eight games with six plus targets last season. He averaged 14.2 points per game in those games. That's the same amount as what Sam Laporta, Kelsey Hawkinson average throughout the year in 2023, right? So when he got the targets, he was a pretty good producer. To compare that to Kyle Pitts, <clears throat> Kyle Pitts had five games with six plus targets, only averaged 12 and a half points per game. That's two more points per game we're talking there. That is a pretty solid difference uh, throughout the year. Um, listen, a lot of those games came once the Texans were dealing with wide receiver injuries, right? So if you were to re-sign with the Texans, I might not say he's going to do anything different next this next year. But if he leaves, because he is a free agent, so if he signs with a different team, there's a lot of tight end needy teams out there with good quarterbacks, good offenses, right? Like the Colts, very enticing if you were to go there. He could get a lot of targets. The Chargers with Justin Herbert and whatever's happening with their wide receivers. The Dolphins, they desperately need more pass catchers there outside of Tyreek Hill and an often injured Jalen Waddle. Or even the Bengals. I mean, all of their tight ends are currently free agents. Tyler Boyd might leave. Who knows what happens with T. Higgins? Like, there's a lot of options for him to land in really nice spots. And I think what he showed this year is that it wasn't just the Cowboys system, right? He didn't just need the Cowboys system to be a good tight end. I think he actually showed he is a really, really solid pass catching tight end when called upon. So that's why I trust him that if he were to join another team, that's a good fit. I think he's going to be a really, really nice, be a nice tight end option at a really good value in drafts this year. I think my number one spot though for him would be the Colts. I think that would get me most excited. Yeah, he could add to their five tight ends there with Colin Grant and Molly Cox and whoever they want to get into the He mix. would be easily the best of that group by far though. <laughs> yeah, he would just split it up five ways and then he wouldn't <laughs> know who to trust. But I, I think your Don Schultz pick is a little like my Derek Carr pick. Like I do like it that it's going to be a good value, right? Wherever you get Dalton Schultz, it's going to be okay. But am I going to be excited about getting Dalton Schultz? No. Like I know I can return some tight end one value. Now, do I have a chance to break the bank and like hit this big time, right? I don't feel like I have that. And I'm a little bit more boomer bust with my tight end choice. I think Dalton Schultz is always going to have a nice floor the way he's going to be used he's a very good receiver we've seen that in dallas we've seen it in houston so there's gonna be a floor for his usage let's just go hope he goes to a team where he's going to be among the top three targets that it's not a team that's going to throw the ball around to wide receivers and he gets forgotten i mean i sometimes look at the bengals that way right there's no room right now in that current situation to get the ball to tight end even though joe burrow likes throwing to that position they're going to be always the fourth fiddle behind what they're doing with their wide receivers. So we got to see, wait and see where it ends up here. And you're right. There's a lot of needy teams. It's almost the te same teams that are going in the recycle mode here because the Patriots don't have Hunter Henry signed. There's Gerald Everett is free. So maybe he cycles into one of those teams and just kind of seamlessly fills in that role. Maybe it is the Bengals and they say goodbye to Tyler Boyd and then they switch. And then Dalton Schultz is a big key there behind the two wide receivers so yeah we do have to wait and see I think Dalton Schultz let's just let's just play it this way I think Dalton Schultz to me is a lot safer pick to go up a couple notches where I think with Kyle Pitts there's the upside is massive here if they use him in the right way as a slot receiver and we've seen what the, that position can do in the Rams style of offense then you could really pay off so I think when you go for like return on investment and reward. I think there's a bigger shot with Kyle Pitts and it's a low risk investment, right? You're going to take him a little later 
potentially if he doesn't work out everyone hates him already and you just dump him and you have another tight end option so i think there's just a lot of reward potential with kyle pitts just again talent is the number one thing that drives me in picking a lot of these players and this is a talent i think will finally be unlocked by the right coach so we will uh, break down a couple more here for you in the end and uh, our last picks are kind of interesting before we do that, I do have to tell you that uh, there's something you have to check out here on the network. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown on our national shows. As well, go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. This is kind of the sleeperish tier. That's what we call it. <laughs> for lack of a better term here. So I did mention this tight end previously in our look at Dalton Schultz as someone who could replace him in New England, but uh, go ahead and reveal your last tight end, also a free agent. Yeah, so this is a sleeper I had last year, right? And he, he worked out for the first two weeks and then kind of disappeared for a long time until the last two weeks that he played. But it's Hunter Henry. And a big part of that is that he's a free agent now. I want him far away from the Patriots as possible. I mean, that offense is just atrocious and I don't see them. I don't see how they fix it in one offseason. So I don't want him back there. But I will say, like, he, a lot of these come down to dealing with injuries, right? He hurt his ankle midseason out three weeks with a knee injury at the end of the season. He didn't, he wasn't able to stay on the field as much as he was at the start of the season. At the start of the season, it was over 60 snaps in weeks one, two, three, then didn't play over 50 snaps until week nine and then dealt with a, you know, nagging injury again, and then had to miss the last three weeks. But so he had six games where he played over 50 snaps, 50 offensive snaps. And in four of those six games, he was fantastic. 16 points, 17 points, 14 points, 19 points, and scoring five touchdowns over those six games. The one thing we know about Hunter Henry is that he is fantastic at scoring touchdowns on very little volume, right? Six touchdowns on 42 receptions this past year. Nine touchdowns on 50 receptions in 2021. Eight touchdowns on 36 receptions in 2016. He doesn't need to join a team where he's going to get a ton of volume. I mean, I'll take that. That's even better. We do need a team that's really good at scoring touchdowns, though, right? That can score points, and the Patriots are, like, the furthest from that. I don't want the lowest scoring uh, offense in the league. I want him to join a team that, no, maybe he won't get a ton of targets because that's not really what Hunter Henry is. He is a very capable pass catcher. I want a team that's going to utilize him in the end zone, in the red zone, and get him those targets. So the Dolphins or the Bengals, right? That would be amazing scenarios for him. Maybe even the Chargers, like teams that are going to score a lot of points where he has the opportunity to score double-digit touchdowns because they're down there so often and they utilize his big body and capabilities down there. And that's where I think he could be a huge, huge, huge value and a rebound player because if you get double-digit touchdowns as a tight end, you're going to be a top eight tight end in fantasy pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, Hunter Henry, I just cringed when I saw him sign with the Patriots because keep in mind that was also when they gave Jonu Smith a very similar deal and I said what are they doing here getting these two veterans they had just drafted two guys that had kind of fizzled at tight end and so they had to go in this different kind of direction here that uh, I think you know, Dalton Keene and Matt Aziazi so they tried to do this with the two veterans it was a disaster and we we're like okay here comes Bill O'Brien remember him of the two tight end sets and that was a disaster that kind of hurt Hunter Henry's value. Now, really, 
there's a little bit of flash though with Hunter Henry when Mac Jones is actually playing decent for that very short period of time during his rookie year and they connected and touchdowns really made Hunter Henry's day. So you're absolutely right. I think the Dolphins and Bailey and- Zappi, once he got in, yeah. all of a sudden he yeah. was good, right? It was just yeah, like so- he needs a guy that can just not be the worst. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind him. Hey, if you like Los Angeles, go back there the Chargers and they need some help here with their wide receiver question marks and Gerald Everett gone. Like I know it's a different style of offense, but I could also see Hunter Henry being like a Jim Harbaugh type player, right? Down or dirty can block well in the running game. They want to get the power running game going. He's a very good inline tight end and he can help against block or against run stoppers there. He's a very good blocker in that capacity. So that's going to help. I think going to an inline team, such as the Chargers would be fantastic because I think he would give them a different element. And I think that offense in general is going to score more points. And we know that it's probably going in a different direction at running back away from Austin Eckler, who's eaten up a lot of red zone scores. So I think that's the ideal scenario. Can he return to the Chargers? But Bengals, I would take that, especially if they move on from Boyd. And there's going to be some other destinations that well that we watch. I mean, on the very even low end, Michelle, if he goes to the Panthers – Look, it's a new offense, and we know that they involved K. Dotton pretty well under Dave Canales in Tampa. So he wouldn't be a bad option given that they don't have a lot there at this point. And I think Bryce Young can be better than that. So there's a lot of ways that Hunter Henry can be productive. Again, even if it's New England, if there's some upgrade there at quarterback, even I think a rookie, I'm going to say it. I mean, I think Drake May is an upgrade already over Mac Jones. So all these things you can look at, and you mentioned Zappy connecting with him. It was just about having competent tight end play, and Henry will be involved. So I do like your pick a lot, especially because as alliteration, mine does as well. It is Juwan Johnson here, and it doesn't sound exciting as a name, right? Tight end 26 overall last year in half point PPR, tight end 29 on average, but it took a while. I really thought him and Derek Carr were going to have a thing, right? Going back to Derek Carr and Darren Waller. It took time, partly because Juwan Johnson was a little banged up. Derek Carr was getting used to the offense. Now, I talked about how Carr was red hot down the stretch. You know, it was red hot right there with him, Juwan Johnson. And they realized, hey, let's not force Michael Thomas. Let's forget it. He's injured. He's gone. And then once Michael Thomas was cleared, I think Derek Carr developed his liking for his boys. And the boys were Chris Olave. Rashid Shahid to stretch the field, and then Juwan Johnson in some scoring situations. And the annoying thing is you had some other tight ends in the mix here of late, but they moved on from Adam Troutman. Foster Morrow is just a backup that, okay, we thought there was some relationship there between him and Carr from the Raiders. But Juwan Johnson is a very talented player. He's a hybrid wide receiver. And I think they'll say goodbye to Michael Thomas, finally, so we don't even have to worry about him early in the season. And what do I know about this situation? They could move on from Alvin Kamara. So all of a sudden, Juwan Johnson with Olave and Shahid is a top three target in this offense, and we know what style of offense it is as well. It's the 49ers offense. Everyone wants it, right? Everyone wants a piece of this offense. Clint Kubiak is a coordinator. He was in Minnesota when – They got their tight ends going, then they made the move for TJ Hawkinson. So he's going to use tight ends. He's a Kubiak. He's like a Shanahan. They like to throw to tight ends. So all these things line up really well for Juwan Johnson. The carryover from last year with the chemistry, the complementary role, and then on top of that, a new offense that's going to be a little bit more tight end friendly. 
Yeah, Juwan Johnson confuses me in a way why he's not used more. Because every time he does have one of those games and you're watching him, you're like, oh my gosh, he's so good. Like he just like looks like one of those elite tight ends out there. If people would just use him, maybe he's inconsistent himself. Maybe that's why he doesn't get used as much. Who knows? But when he's on, he is on. So I would love, I think Carr would be his best self. He would just utilize Olave, Shahid, and Juwan Johnson. Like you said, those are his top three guys. Maybe Alvin Kamara is gone. I think that would be huge for this offense in general and Derek Carr to not just dump it to him every... I mean, remember the first half of the season was Carr just dumping it to Kamara a hundred gazillion times. And you know what? That doesn't work in the NFL. So if Kamara is gone, I think we did see Carr kind of go off of that uh, towards the end of the year. Shocker. Carr then was better without dumping it down every five seconds, using guys deeper down the field. But I think that would be huge for Juwan Johnson there. He is a very, very sneaky guy this year. I will give you that. And definitely a lot more exciting than my Hunter Henry. That is it for today's show. Thank you all for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Every day, as Vinny and I will be back tomorrow talking more fantasy football goodness. Don't miss it. Bye, y'all.